Jason, the Bears did something they haven't done all year, which is finish. It was ugly, but they finished. We'll talk about that more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. It's Jason Leisure. Jason, as we sit here right now, the Bears are 12-10 winners at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. They're the first team this year to win without scoring a touchdown. They're the first Bears team since 1993 to win without scoring a touchdown, which kind of surprises me given the history of offense at this place. What do we make of it? It wasn't pretty, but they got the job done? Man, I salute. You said they finished. I salute anyone who finished the end of this game. (laughs) This was the fourth lowest scoring game of the NFL season. And low scoring football can be compelling and uh, beautiful in its own way. This wasn't that. (laughs) This was Josh Dobbs throwing them interceptions and them doing nothing with it. Justin Fields fumbling away the game and then rescuing it, cleaning up a mess of his own making at the end. Um, what do we make of this? It's better than losing. Yeah. But it changes almost nothing about anything for me. I mean, you barely squeak by a Vikings team with their backup turnover-prone quarterback and no Justin Jefferson. I feel like if they'd had Kirk Cousins or Justin Jefferson, they would have won this game by 10, either one. Okay, but this is the first winning team Matt Eberflus has ever beaten. Yep. The first divisional team he's ever beaten. Yeah. Nobody's going to throw a parade for that. It but is but this, isn't, losing. this yeah. isn't beating the Panthers on Thursday night, is it? No, or- it's a little better than that. It's a road win against a division team, like you said, a team that has won more than it's lost. But, man, like I, I don't think differently of Matt Eberflus at the end of this right. than I did this morning. And I, I, and I don't really th- I don't think differently about Justin Fields than I did before this game. Well, and I might have last week. If, if they had held on, you know, and won by 12, you know, and, and Fields has the game that he has, you know, Eberflus, you know, gets the four takeaways, you know, against a really good team, then you're sitting there going, like, oh, we might have something here, um, <clears throat> at, at least parts of something. Uh, you know, you saw it again uh, tonight where they had f- four takeaways. Again, they have eight takeaways in two games. That's insane. Yeah. But, again, it's barely enough to help them squeak by. Lord knows Justin Fields didn't take advantage of that field position to do anything. Um, he, you know, uh, the Bears, it, it seemed like when the Bears got the ball, the momentum went away, which is not how football is supposed to work. Last week, you mentioned the game against the Lions. I mean, that was the chance for a signature win. You said you brought up the hypothetical, what if they'd won that game? Right. And that would have been the signature win of Matt Eberflus's time. Mm-hmm. Division win on the road against a very good team. Mm-hmm. The Lions are not the Vikings. I know they've been slumping lately, but the yeah. Lions are going to be – the second or third seed in the NFC this year. Um, this, this is this is unconvincing. I mean, you need to come in and beat a team like this better than that. My biggest concern, Pat, is with the offense because obviously the defense played very well. We saw the the pass rush continues to look much better mm-hmm. with Montez Sweat in there, and they were in there on Josh Dobbs. It seemed like every drop back. I and like to call that the Tez effect. The Tez effect or the Tez factor, TM. As Matt Eberflus likes to say. I mean, quarterback hits, nine quarterback hits. That's that's in, that's really really good. And even when they Two weren't, sacks. even when they weren't getting them, Pat, it just seemed like they were back there constantly. Yeah, like they were constantly moving the line back toward Josh Dobbs. 
and they got takeaways. Mm-hmm. That's great. You should win that game by a lot. I- I'm concerned about the offense, and Matt Eberflus was hired as a defensive mind, but as a lifelong defensive coach. Mm-hmm. But he's responsible for the offense. He can get fired for bad offense. And all your frustrations with Luke Getze, and I know people have them, mm-hmm. like those need to be directed at Matt Eberflus. And inside the building, like, you know, he's the one that picked Eberflus, and he's the one that signs off on that game plan every week. Let's walk everybody through the end, shall we? Yes. We'll start with the 55-yard Cairo Santos field goal on the third play of the fourth quarter. Bears have a six-point lead. Three plays after that, uh, Kyler Gordon picks off a tipped pass. Um, giving the Bears the ball at the Vikings 38, up six. You with me here? Yes. Bears get the point where it's second and 10 at the 22, which means that they are in line for a 40-yard field goal at minimum. Justin Fields takes off up the middle, kind of over the right tackle. Uh, ball slips out of his hand before he gets hit. Uh, Eberflus said he thought the defender made a nice play. Maybe he did, but he fumbled. He did the one thing he couldn't do because the Bears were lining up eventually to kick a field goal that put him up two scores you just had to land the plane at that point on that drive i mean yeah and, and what was interesting about that was on the first play of that drive roshan johnson who the bears leaned on a lot tonight fumbled and recovered it and fields even said to johnson in the huddle hey man <laughs> hang on to the football this is not a time to be fumbling sir and, and then Je- justin does it uh vikings get the ball back and you know i wrote this but you know if you're if you have a pulse and if you've seen the bears there's no question that uh, they were going to go 70 to 70, or 77 yards for a touchdown. They did. Um, you know, they never. They got to third and three once. Otherwise, uh, pretty easy stuff all the way down the field. T.J. Hawkinson, Hawkinson catches 17-yard touchdown pass. So the Bears now have the ball. They're down one. What does Justin Fields do? Fumbles again. Scrambles up the middle on third and ten. Loses the ball. He says afterwards he's sick to his stomach. But that was that. That felt like that was it right there. Um, because they're coming off the field with six or with um, with three and a half minutes to play, down one. That would have been it. But it should have been it. You remember that possession the Bears had uh, with the lead against the Lions, the, the three and a, out, the late three and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is that possession for the Vikings Monday night. Uh, run up the middle for no yards. Run off right tackle for one yard. Completed pass for negative one yard punt. Yeah, all of that takes place, Pat, in under a minute. Yeah, um, a minute two, technically, uh, because there's a false start in there, to, or there's a delay game in there. Uh, Bears get the ball back at their own 22. All Justin Fields has got to do is march them 40-something yards and, and try and kick a game-winning field goal. And it looks, for all intents and purposes, like that ain't going to happen. Um, you know, you know, going he starts off short to, to Moore for 16 yards, which is a, a pretty nice play. Then you know, scramble, another run, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. That gets them to third and 10 uh, with a minute six to play at the Vikings 49. So they're at midfield. They probably got, have got to go 18 yards. No timeouts. There's no way you're betting on the Bears in that scenario. Yeah, they've got to go, you know, 15 to 18 yards. Fields takes the snap. Uh, uh, DJ Moore throw, or runs a deep in, uh, and he's just wide open. Wide open, huge window down the middle of the field. Um, catches the ball, uh, goes down at the uh, 10, uh, or, or at the, I believe the 10, 9, whatever it is. Bears take a couple knees, wind up kicking a 30-yard field goal to win the game. That's a big throw. And, you know, I don't think we could say anything that changes the fact that it's a big throw. No, great throw. But, great play. But he dug himself a hole 
and it is. I think we have to be careful in praising him for finding a ladder to climb out with. I think he was pretty careful about that in his post-game press conference, and that's something that I, as a media member, and if I was a fan, I would want, as I would want Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields acknowledging reality and not telling me something was better than it was. Justin Fields said... You know, if not for my fumbles, we run away with this game. We right. win this. It doesn't come down to that. He says it's over. It's yeah, over. It doesn't come down to that to that late scramble for a field goal with no timeouts. Uh, and he's right. And you know, that's there's a pretty easy. You're bringing up you know third and ten at midfield with no timeouts, a minute left, losing. Like there's an easily there's a there's an alternate reality where they don't win this game. That's very easy to imagine. If you're live betting the game. Uh, not a sponsor, by the way, but if there, if anybody wants to, knock yourselves out. If you're live betting that on the app of your choice, you're betting the Vikings every time, aren't you? Third and ten midfield? Yeah, yeah, like I said, I mean, that's not a situation you see the Bears come through on a lot. No. Uh, Fields finishes 27-37 to 37 for 217. Uh, uh, did not throw a touchdown or an interception. Took three sacks. Had a passer rating of 87-3. I tell you this, Jason, the first quarter was great. He was, t- uh, what was he, 12 for 12 for 100 yards? And then, um, as has been the case a lot lately, Jason, the Bears' scripted stuff looks great, and then their unscripted stuff uh, <laughs> stalls out the rest of the way. That's like you always say, Pat, like build the whole offense out of that. Yeah, <laughs> make the plane either, out of the black box. Either the box. first two minutes or the two-minute drill, like make that the whole offense, Luke Gatsy. The defense, I, I, think, I think they have something. And I want to be careful how excited I get about it. Because just being competent is a considerable upgrade from what we've watched for the last year and a half. And the Vikings commit a lot of turnovers in general. Right. And, and uh, you know, I, I think Thanksgiving Day showed us that maybe the Lions, weren't, uh, Lions offense wasn't as bulletproof as we were led to believe either. But is this, is this Matt, or Matt Eberflus's most direct path to respect? Is having his defense play like this keep the Bears in the game. Then at the end of the season, if you want to have a come-to-Jesus meeting with him, he can sit there and be like, hey, buddy, the thing that I'm good at, we're good at. Well, he doesn't have a lot of cards to play in this scenario. Well, he's the defensive coordinator of a team whose defense is getting better. I mean, that's the only card he can yeah, play, Yeah, if right? he had to re-interview for his job right now with new management at Hallis Hall, mm-hmm. it's a tough sell. There's not a lot of accomplishments to point to. Right. And... I mean, I I really am not trying to like shoot down anything in his favor, but when did the defense get better? It got better when they when got they got better players. When I got Montez Sweat, it got a lot better. It also got better when Jalen Johnson came back from injury, when Eddie Jackson came back from injury, when Jaquan Brisker came back from injury, uh, when Tremaine Edmonds. Well, maybe debatable. Tremaine Edmonds could have made a tackle uh, last week that might have changed the game, but you know he was he was flying around today. A healthy defense hadn't really been part of the equation until a week ago, right? You've got to build it all the way around. And, like, you know, a couple years ago, 2021, Mm -hmm. they still had this very good pass rush with (laughs) Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks. Mm -hmm. But they had nothing in the secondary. Right. And now this year it was the opposite where I loved their secondary. I thought this might – not only is the secondary – hands down the best unit on this roster, mm-hmm. but that should be one of the best secondaries in the NFL between Jalen Johnson and improving 
Kyler Gordon, a very promising high draft pick in Tyreek Stevenson, Eddie Jackson, like seeing, seeming to be rejuvenated and playing better under the new um, defense, and Jaquan Brisker, who we think, like there is no problem there. And now they even have this depth with guys like Terrell Smith and Josh Blackwell, who are not stars, but they're viable backups. I'll tell you this, Terrell, Smith, got was guys. Pretty, Terrell Smith was pretty good. He but, was pressed into action with, with Tyreek Stevenson out. I thought he held his own pretty well. But you see all that going into the season, and you know that is going to be badly undercut by having no pass rush. Yeah. Those guys are going to have to cover for five seconds on all these plays, and that is very – that is near impossible in the mm-hmm. NFL. So now the pass rush is there a little bit. Right. And the, suddenly the secondary looks a lot better. Opponent completion percentage goes down. Mm-hmm. Turnovers go up. Like That's – that's great for them, mm-hmm. but if I had to pick one thing to put that on, it wasn't Matt Eberflus manufacturing a solution with Yannick Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker. It was Ryan Poles went and spent a 2024 second-round draft pick to bring in a serious pass rusher in Montez Sweat. It, it's all been positive for them on defense. Eberflus wasn't hired to be a defensive coordinator in the way that Matt Nagy was hired to be kind of the offensive head coach. But they both got to the same point when Matt Eberflus had to start calling plays. And, and the reason he started calling plays is, again, maybe a problem of his own making. But when he had to take over for Allen Williams, whether or not he was hired to be the CEO or not, he's the one calling plays. I like him as a defensive coordinator, and it seems like you do too. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think that I, I can see the bones of a pretty good defense. The, the other question I want to ask is, two years ago, if Matt Nagy's team is – mediocre the way it was but if they're scoring 31 again good at the thing he's supposed to be good at does that change does that change your opinion of Matt Nagy to me it would to me you'd sit there and be like oh you got the offense part um you know where to me it went downhill was their main problem for years and years and years that he could not fix was the quarterback position and he he was a quarterback guru allegedly um who had come from coaching the best quarterback walk in the earth and, and I'm not building a statue of Matt Eberflus I'm saying that to me, I think the best argument he could make to keep his job is if his defense keeps doing this. Well, they'd have to keep – there's five more games left. Mm-hmm. And if you are Ryan Poles, Kevin Warren, George McCaskey, and you are looking for a reason to stay with him. I suspect they might. As the Bears historically have. They have historically been patient to a fault. Mm-hmm. Then you latch on to that. Is that a bad thing to latch on to? It, it's not a bad thing to latch on to, but I don't think it's enough. And I think that if you, especially if you need to reboot at quarterback, mm-hmm. which might not entirely be a judgment on Justin Fields as much as it is a judgment on who's available in the draft mm-hmm. and how high you're picking, it would be r- really dicey to me to keep the same staff in place with a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work out, then you're again doing what the Bears have done a bunch, is hiring a new staff, but they cannot change the quarterback. Having a rookie quarterback get his head coach fired is something that happens more often than you'd think. Uh, it happened Monday. Yeah, but it, that, this is what I'm getting to. Sorry. It happens Monday. Jeez, who are you, Potsy, cutting off my, tran- my uh, nice transition? Um, Monday, uh, Panthers fired Frank Reich. Uh, Chris Tabor, friend of the program, uh, takes over as their interim coach for the next six weeks or so. Uh, they're a mess, and they are also every Bears fan's favorite, least favorite team. 
Oh, they love them. Because they have the Bears draft pick. You were telling me today that you thought just a, a move away from inertia <laughs> scares you a little bit because this might give them – um, might give the, might give the uh, Panthers a little boost. Well, what scares me the most is that I grew up in Chicago and I've seen the Bears my whole life. Right. And just there's just so many times where it doesn't go the way that they want it to go. And long before you were born, the Terry Bradshaw coin flip, that's, I mean, that's... It's really more just kind of that doomsday Bears feeling than anything else, than thinking that... The reason that I think the Panthers, like, the reason that I'm fearful for the Bears that the Panthers might win some games is because they're in – are they in the worst division or in second? They're in a horrible division. Uh, it's, to quote John Fox, it's all bad. Jason, they, I mean, there are five good teams in the NFL. Everybody else sucks. Well, they could win – as bad as they are, like they could win any given week against a team in their division. I think they play – I'm looking at Arizona up, or somebody at the I, end. I'm too. doing what Bears fans do it's, every week, which is I'm looking up Panthers schedule 2023. Right. Uh, coming up, uh, uh, they go to Tampa. They go to New Orleans. They host Atlanta. They host the Packers. And they played the Jaguars. And then I think uh, they got one game after that. The Colts, uh, maybe. The uh, Bucks again. Bucks again at home. So any of those teams. Except for the Jaguars. Uh, the Panthers will be an underdog. All of them. Every single game. Any of those teams but the Jaguars could totally lay an egg and lose 12 to 10 to the Panthers. <laughs> so, and, and, and that's terrifying. But that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Let's not, like, don't get on board with all of my pre-anxiety about this. As of Monday, before the Bears game, I don't think the Bears game would have affected this at all. Uh-huh. The Panthers had a 67% chance to get the number one pick, which means mm-hmm. the Bears have that. If the Bears have the number one pick, uh, I think you have to take a quarterback, and I think Justin Fields has got a long way to go in the last five games to make you reconsider. Um, I, I don't know that tonight was not a good night for him. Uh, they won the game, so you know all these times. I mean, I, I'd be hypocritical if I if I ripped him too much. My story in the Sun Times today was Justin Fields can put up stats. Now let's see him lead them to a win. He did that as ugly as the win might be. Um, but, you know, if you're measuring his individual performance for next year, uh, this was not the step forward that the Lions game was. I think if you look, this is part of what you have to factor in when you're evaluating Justin Fields and the Bears at large. If Jalen Hurts and the Eagles come in and play this exact game mm-hmm. and win in this exact way, mm-hmm. the conversation about it is, hey, Wacky game. Just find ways to they win. They keep finding ways to win because that'd be an aberration for them. Mm-hmm. But this is not that different than a lot of things you've seen. No. From Fields for three years and from the Bears under Eberflus for two years. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's a problem. That's that's where and, and I don't really want I don't I I don't want to hear that like it's unfair to compare him, compare Fields, for example, to Jalen Hurts, or unfair to compare the Bears to the Eagles. Those are teams in your league, man. The, the standard is this the is, standard. It's not, it's not like you're in the, the Division three, and this is Division right. – we're talking about Division one teams. Like, if you ever want to get to where you're trying to go, you will have to climb over the Eagles and teams like them. I love that you mentioned the Eagles. Cole Komet, uh, after the game tonight, um, said, listen, look at the Eagles game yesterday. The Eagles did not play well, but they hung around, hung around, hung around, made a miracle th- – field goal at the end of regulation. Mm. You're talking about against Bills. Yeah, then hung around in overtime and found a way to win. And he goes, you know, the talent gap between most teams in the NFL is not very wide. This is Cole Komet talking. 
Uh, and some days it's just, can you hang around long enough to win? The Bears did that tonight. Komet then said, now, man, we got to do this a couple times in a row before we can start talking about this being the start of anything. You know, he said, you know, we've done, we've won one game in a row a lot. We've done good things and then come back and do bad things. So, you know, he's not trying to say that this is, you know, that they've climbed the mountain, but, but he looked at the, he looked at, the, uh, at maybe the best team in the NFC and said, they showed you yesterday that, you know, even when you have a bad day, you can still find a way to win. I think you look back to the last time the Bears were good, 2018, and maybe some of those games, I'm sure, come to mind for you where they were maybe not 12-10 against Josh Dobbs, but there were some ugly ones there. In were there were some Chase Daniel games. Yeah, they split two Chase Daniel games. That... There were some ugly ones in there, but those were not alarms going off. No. Because you had seen a body of work that that was a good team. Right. The only body of work mm-hmm. that this team has mm-hmm. is bad. Yeah. I mean, it took them – Pat, you didn't think coming into this that it was going to take them – so past Thanksgiving to outdo last year's win total. No. I mean, there's, been, there's been a lot of bad. So a bad game where you happen to win mm-hmm. kind of fits in with a lot of the bad. This, this would be, again, a lot different if you had seen a bigger sample size that showed you something else. Before we go, I want to talk about Cairo Santos real quick. Uh, misses a field goal at the end of the Bears' first drive. He was 19 for 20 before he missed it uh, this year. Uh, turns around, drills not only a 55-yarder, which tied a career high, but then the game winner at the end, which you or I might have made. I mean, pretty short kick. But still, with what's on the line, with the weight of a lot of things in that locker room on him, drives it home. Uh, we talked to him afterwards. He said, you know, when they trusted me to kick a 55-yarder after I'd missed earlier in the day, you know, he goes, I'm sitting there wondering, are, are they going to let me try this? And then when they do, you feel that confidence. And, and, and he said, you know, it made me more confident myself. Santos is literally the last person any Bears fan should complain about. Uh, given, I don't think they do. Yeah, uh, I've gotten a couple tweets. Um, but uh, for him to come back and, I mean, to me, the game winner's great. But, man, that 55-yarder is difference in the game, too. I mean, that counts just as much as the game winner. And, you know, that's it, – it, Good for him for bouncing back, I guess. We talk about some of the the very, very precious few quality pieces that Ryan Pace left for Ryan Poles. We don't really talk about Cairo a lot, but Cairo is up there. I know that what he does is not as uh, not overall as impressive mm-hmm. as what DJ Moore does, for example. Mm-hmm. But Cairo is up there on this roster as far as how good that player is at their job. Mm-hmm. And, Pat, this isn't even, like, why they have Cairo Santos for indoor games against the Vikings and the Lions and whoever. They have Cairo Santos because that guy can kick field goals for you at Soldier Field and in Cleveland and in Green Bay in December and January. Cole Komet rattled off the number of outdoor games the Bears have left. He then said it was going to be cold, and I told him it didn't have to be cold, dang it. But um, he knows. It's all of them, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it, and that's not something Cole Komet came up with on his own, I presume. I presume the Bears have been talking about this, about how they are built for the elements they are built to win at home or to try to win at home, and that uh, the seasons are now coming uh, to greet them. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well. Real quick, Jason, you know there's nothing I like better than a uh, casually cursing player. Oh, did somebody say um, heck or shucks? or? Uh, it was a bad word, but it was. Uh, I'll, I'll clean it up a little bit. Uh, somebody asked Komet whether those fumbles, whether it was a uh, oh poop moment. And he started laughing. He goes, oh, big oh poop moment. 
Um, you know, he, Who asked that foul mouth question? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I had a, a, a someone. Um, it wasn't me, actually. You'd be, you'd be happy to know. I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah, but uh, the Bears avoid maybe what would have been the biggest old poop moment of the year had they lost? Or I mean, the, man, this. Yeah. Or the second worst in eight days. What are the two? <laughs> I mean, it would have been another collapse mm-hmm. in at the end, even though this was not as impressive over the first 55 minutes or whatever as they, the they didn't was. get the plane as high in this game no, as they did against no. The Lions. no but could you imagine i mean all season long since the since that loss to green bay in the opener it has felt yep. shaky for matt eberflus mm-hmm. and you get those emails like i do from uh, the odds the, the sports books matt eberflus is always at or near the top of the list when they send out odds on the next coach fire again not a sponsor but could be yes and there are times where I feel like if the Bears didn't have this informal policy, I mean, he could have been fired after the Denver game. Yeah. There's been these moments where things could break bad. I, this might have pushed him over the edge. <laughs> if they had blown this, if they had, if they yeah. had lost 10-9. to 9. Yeah, I, I think it would have been unlikely, Oof. but if you're going to do it, you do it during the bye week uh, to give the coaches an it's extra. It's the bye week. There's time. This would have been a horrible loss. But it wasn't, Jason. Barely. It wasn't. wasn't. It, it barely doesn't count. Well, maybe. Maybe it counts a little bit. And you don't, we don't know. We honestly do not know who is making the final call on that right now. Right. I, we would like to think it's Kevin Warren because that's what we were told, is that Kevin Warren now runs the football operations. He's in, he's in charge of the guy who runs the football operations. But, yeah. you know, there's still a Hallis McCaskey mm-hmm. in the driver's seat at Hallis Hall. In the locker room after the game, Matt Eberflus, um, this was captured on ESPN. Matt Eberflus gave the game ball to the whole team, by the way. Congratulations to the whole team. That's indecisive. That's Come a lot. That's a lot of balls you got to get painted up, too. Um, that's a cop out. But standing uh, on either side of him were uh, Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles. And, uh, and Kevin Warren was nodding his head with every sentence that Eberflus spoke. I'm not saying that means anything, but it's a visual that was sent out to the rest of the league tonight. Uh, and uh, read into that what you will. That'll do it, Jason. Uh, as the people who are picking up trash grow louder and louder in the background, uh, you will probably not hear from us uh, this week unless something ridiculous happens. Uh, we're going to enjoy the bye along with the Bears, but we will be back to preview the Lions game next week uh, and everything else that's going on. He's Jason Leisure. I'm uh, Patrick Finley, and Mark Potash uh, is far afield, but please check him out on the Sun-Times website in print or on the app as well. He's Jason, I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.